Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning, and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon, how are you? Yeah, not half bad, how are you? Wrecked. <laughs> you are really wrecked. <laughs> you are seriously wrecked. Your, your brain was mushed today. Big, big, big day yesterday. Yes. Very challenging day. So much fun. What did you, so what awesome. did you get up to? Went full driving all day uh-huh. in the Wadigans. Climbing big rock ledges and fixing broken vehicles. Uh huh. Uh huh. Just was awesome. Yeah, and by the way, this is a delayed broadcast introduction. Uh, so as you should well know, uh, we do have the live program happening at the same time and you can jump across to the live show, but you are listening to, I think like either yesterday or maybe the day before, the show um, was recorded then on the mm-hmm. 29th of February. So we've already recorded the show and that's why we know that Lyle's brain was mushy. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty mushy throughout the show, but uh, mine wasn't too far behind either. So yeah, it has been a wonderful long weekend. So it made for a fun show, it did, if nothing it did. else. Exactly. So, yeah, so stay tuned for a pretty fun show. Mon finally gets her revenge on Lyle at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, no. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking Nothing happened? Yeah, yeah, right. Listen to the end of the show. Listen to what the, the goof that Lyle does. Yeah. Nothing happened. It's yeah, all good. yeah, yeah. Keep listening. You'll see what he's talking I'll about. I'll see the whole time. Anyway. <laughs> Never went just, I just I just let Mon say her piece. Whatever, Trevor. If you would like to listen to the live show, it just is so that easy she could peasy. Feel yeah, whatever. Um, you can <laughs> actually just tune in through the TuneIn app, uh, which is free to download. It's very easy to get. Just uh, just download TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. And then once you're there, you can uh, just get the free version. Make sure you don't pay for it. And, of course, you can um, add Faith FM Australia to your list of favorites. And then it will be easy to listen to every morning. Just uh, just click on it and Bob's your uncle. You can pl- play that anywhere you want. Man, I'm still mush-minded. You can play that anywhere you want. Uh, around the world, as long as you have a good Wi-Fi signal, you'll have perfect radio signal. Absolutely. And uh, coming up in today's show, we have a interview with David Farm from Malaysia, who operates one of the most, uh, I, I guess, the most premier uh, health retreats anywhere in the world Ooh, right now. That's where we need to be um, right now. Check Lyle. it out on Google Google Maps, wow. Google Earth. It's just how like is it amazing. That, how is it that you interviewed a guy who runs the premier health retreat of the world and you didn't get us free tickets? I'm very ashamed of you yes, right now. Yes, well. You should, have, you should have swung your radio celebrity weight around a bit there. <laughs> Maybe I should have done. <laughs> Get him Maybe back on the phone. <laughs> I should have done. I did a two-part interview with him as well. Oh. But, you know, amazing miracles that he has to share. So stay tuned for that interview. Stay tuned. This is a promise. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made.
made by him, all things were made by him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Welcome back, everybody. That was the promise. That was a new one for the us. The word was God. Yeah, I like, I like that one. I like that rendition. Absolutely. Okay, so Mon, what have we got for the quiz? Clue? Okay, guys, I've decided to take it easy on us. This is an easy peasy lemon squeezy kind of a quiz. We've all got pretty mashed up brains after the long weekend. Is anyone else <laughs> having trouble getting into gear this morning? Yeah, I just, I, it, it's. You're I don't know what's going on. My brain is like switched off. and Yeah, you slip into holiday mode and then it's hard to slip back out because that extra day you just feel like you have all the time in the world. You don't. Uh, but yeah, by the way, I hope no one else, got, um, no one got any double demerit incidences over the weekend. You uh, said no one else. Yeah, I, that's in. why I corrected myself because I didn't. I mean, I really hope I didn't. Nothing. Like <laughs> the mail will arrive once I'm in Africa, so I'm not going to know about it till April. <laughs> anyway. By which time, Mon will be in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah straight off the plane. Arrested at the airport. Yeah, straight off the plane. Into jail. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks, Lyle. <laughs> I'm already pretty nervous about my trip to Africa. People keep coming up to me and telling me how careful I need to be. And yesterday I spoke to a pastor who. You're a seasoned traveler. Yeah, but, but it's Africa, dude. It's Africa. But you've been to trouble countries before. Yeah, but not as trouble disease. And yesterday I spoke to a pastor. He told me he spent 13 years living in Africa. And on the radio, the advice they were given was that anytime you exit a building and start walking to your car, you got to stick your car keys between your fingers. And if anyone attacks you, go straight for the eyeball. And I thought, okay, that's great advice. But then afterwards I was thinking, I don't think I have the goal to do that. Like I would just spew if I put someone's eyeball out. I couldn't do it. To be honest, I'd, I'd find it very challenging to do the same yeah. thing. I'd rather do a swift kick to the crotch, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is an that's interesting discussion. Do we doubt <laughs> people's eyeballs? or? Look, I feel like they could recover better in the long term. From a, a, a kick to the seat of the pants. But with the eyeball, like that's permanent blindness. I'd just right try there. some RLC. RLC. Yeah. What's that? Run like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know these Africans are all the marathon runners, right? Oh, yes, darn it. I <laughs> forgot about I that. I get like five paces, but like, actually, do you know what? I give up. <laughs> you win. Here's my car and my keys. Uh, my wallet. But I tell you what I do have. Come on, just be street smart, pray. Yeah, Be absolutely. wise. I have packed about uh, three or four fake um, phones and cameras, just like old ones that I had just... Um, oh, that's a smart yeah, idea. Yeah, I actually read up about it. I was looking at safety tips and um, and they said if you have any old phones that are dead and don't, you don't use them anymore, pack them in your bag and when someone... If you get mugged or carjacked and someone demands you hand over your phone and wallet, hand them over the old stuff. So I have a couple of decoys. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so, and you make them look real. Like, you have an old wallet that I don't use anymore, and I'm going to put, like, you know, some old credit cards and maybe a dollar in there or something, and then, yeah. There yeah, you go. Very, yeah. very smart. See if that works. Anyway, okay, back to the quiz. Easy peasy quiz. It's a what creature am I quiz, and the first clue is this. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 39. 
Sorry, where to find the answer? Men have one kind of flesh, animals another, birds another, and I have another. Hmm. Mm, do you know what that is? Give us a call. I'm looking for my pen. I want to have a crack at this. Okay, run that through me again. According to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39, men have one kind of flesh, animals have another kind of flesh, birds have another kind of flesh, and I have another kind of flesh. Lyle knows the answer. But if you know the answer, give us a call right now. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Today's prize is a wonderful copy of the book Royalty and Ruin. And uh, this is about honoring God and obeying commandments and uh, and how uh, many rulers, like kings and prophets, have uh, followed God's um, leading and how they've really, I want to say, enhanced their leadership and uh, and how doing the other side of it, like neglecting God in leadership and how that's led to ruin. So Royalty and Ruin, a really great book written by E.G. White. Wow, yes. I got some good news stories. Yes. Interestingly enough, both of them coming out of Hollywood. Okay. So some celebrity good news. Been there. Yeah. You have been to Hollywood. Uh-huh. You didn't get famous, obviously, so you came back here to Newcastle. I was looking for my star on the concrete, you know, but <laughs> just couldn't find it. I Don't mean to organize one of those throughout the front of the office here. <laughs> anyway. No. <laughs> this is an incredible story. I love this story. Uh, I guess I had a tinge of justice to it, but this is really great advice on how to deal with online trolls. You know what online trolls are, right? Mm-hmm. People, they call them the haters, people who write mean comments, you know, people who are like laptop soldiers because there's, there's such a disconnect between saying something mean to someone's face and then- And doing it online. And doing it online, posting a comment. Like you just feel, people just feel so empowered, like they can just say stuff and it won't affect anything. This is- a story about justice for one of these trolls. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this was um, fired at Patton Oswalt. Do you know Patton Oswalt? He's an actor, does a lot of voice stuff as well. I'm not a huge uh, celebrity fan girl kind of person, but I do admire Patton Oswalt a little bit. Anyway, so he's uh, he he made a political comment online on Twitter, and uh, a 64 year old Michael Beatty uh, actually fired back at him. However, Michael Beatty himself is actually in a pretty dire straits. So he's only just been released from a two-week stay in the hospital, which was a result of sepsis and diabetes complications, which landed him in a coma. He's a Vietnam veteran, and he's only able to sustain himself on meager retirement checks. So he's, he's doing pretty rough. And so when he came home and, you know, he finds his social media feed filled with political army arguments and opposing opinions, he got really angry and frustrated. And, uh, and his irritation, like it came out in an irrational form, unfortunately. Uh, he saw a criticizing tweet from Patton Oswald about President Trump. And he responded by calling Patton Oswald a sword off little man. And he just realized why he was so happy when he died in his latest movie. Like the character died. It's a really horrible thing to say to anyone, no matter what yeah, the reason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Patton Oswald gets his revenge. And this is a kind of revenge that I 100% fully condone. Okay. So right. Pat- there is a thing in the Bible about turning the other cheek. You do know this, right? This story is about to get real good for you. Uh, so, of course, Mr. Beatty didn't expect the, um, the actor to respond. Uh, and if he did, he expected to be insulted in return. Because, you know, people just say stuff and expect it just goes off into the ether and nothing ever happens. They don't realize a lot of people, including celebrities, will read these comments and oh. have, you know, an effect. So, Patton Oswald 
then goes on this guy, sees a comment, clicks on his profile and starts going through this guy's history and sees that he's in dire straits medically. And he wrote this. Oh man, this dude just attacked me on Twitter and I joked back, but then I looked at his timeline and he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. I'd be mad too. He's dealt with some pretty horrible cards. Let's deal him some good ones. Click to donate, just like I'm about to do. Patton Oswald created a GoFundMe page for this guy <laughs> and asked his 4.5 million online followers to donate to this guy's health cause. And then he himself went and donated 2,000 of his own dollars. And in 24 hours, they had 36,000 bucks for this guy to help pay his medical fees. That's amazing. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just I mean, I mean, if you were a fan of this guy and yeah. you saw him got paid out, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to donate to his enemy. Yeah. But people aren't. But he asked there are a you. lot of people out there who are a lot bigger than that. And that's, uh, and that's, and that's what, a, what an example this exactly. guy is. Exactly. And the thing is, it, you know, we read in the Bible about. I have about no him. idea who he is, but. He's a pretty good dude. Um, when we read in the Bible about heaping burning coals. Yeah. This is exactly yeah. what happened. And it had its, its it had its desired effect. So the guy, Michael Beatty, obviously saw that and he wrote back and he said, Patton, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You have caused me to take pause and reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring. Thank you for this. And I will pass this on to my cousin who also needs help. And uh, and he said, you know, he he usually doesn't cry, but he really had to pause before he sent the response. So that's amazing, yeah. isn't that just amazing? The way he totally diffused a situation and turned it into something really, and really positive. It into something because I mean, really if I got a comment like that, my natural reaction would be just to fire back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 feed the trolls. And they always say, you know, on social media, just. Don't feed the trolls. Yeah, don't yeah, give don't them oxygen. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't even go there. Yeah. So he, he actually sent a picture of himself in hospital, and he, um, he also like after after all that money came in, he said he wanted to thank everyone who came to his aid with generous outpourings, and also to Patton Oswald, without whom I would not be the recipient of so much love and support. Um, I'm not a man who ever cries, but I had to wait to send this. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you're getting attacked by trolls, heap some burning coals. See how I made that rhyme. <laughs> See how I made that rhyme. Okay. Oh, the last twenty no. seconds. Let me tell you one other good story coming out of Celebrity Land. Paul Simon doing his last ever tour worldwide. In every city he stops, he makes sure the crowd and himself donates to get this uh, underprivileged kids so they can learn how to cook. Of all things, because he understands the connection between being able to cook for yourself and great health, and he wants to help um, at-risk kids lead healthy, happy lives, and so he's decided to uh, fund cooking classes for kids around America. Isn't that amazing? Fantastic. Paul Simon and Pat Norris would actually be great examples for us this morning. This is Sydney Wilburton with Anchor Your Soul. Thankful God hasn't let me go Cause I've let him go many times He keeps amazing me With how he's changing me I'm holding on this time And I keep on telling myself Don't dig up what you've sowed in faith Don't give up what won't be replaced Cause 
everybody that was sydney wolverton with anchor your soul here on faith fm we're going to have another clue for our quiz didn't we just recently interview sydney wolverton we did indeed yeah, it's great yeah young girl 17 years old right out there like that going hard mm-hmm. okay clue number two for our what creature am i quiz i came into existence on the fifth day of creation Give us a call if you know what the answer is, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Get yourself a copy of Royalty and Ruin, excellent read by E.G. White. Okay, so I was, I, I've got all kinds of stories to talk about this morning. Ooh. I'm not sure where I should start, but this one just popped. Haven't had time to research it completely fully, but um, there is an increase in Queensland of parents who are delaying the time it, or age at which they send their children to school. Oh. Uh, so the edu- education department figures show the rate of delayed entry rose from 1.5% in 2010 to 6.9% in 2018. And I just wanted to get out there and say this is a great idea. Please do delay your children from going to school. There is no way in a million years that a four-year-old or a five-year-old yes. is ready to be heading off to school. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was ready to have a beat up with you about this, Lyle, but I'm so glad you take that stance as well because I 100% agree. Every time I drive past one of those early learning centres, I'm like... It makes me feel so sad. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to be at an early learning centre. They should be playing in the kitchen yeah. or in the backyard or hanging out with mum and dad. That's all it takes. Okay, so uh, how old were you when you went to school, Mon? Um, I think it was five. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to kindy. Yep. 
You know, preschool? I, you I don't know, know how old I was when I went to school? How old? Eight. Wow. Yeah. You turned my out parents, fine. My parents, uh, my parents had this, you know, this outdoor policy, like if it's not raining, you've got to be outside. And yeah. And of course, we lived in the bush. And mm-hmm. so, there was just, you know, limitless adventure available for, you know, a five, six, seven, eight-year-old. And, you know, so few things that you can hurt you in the bush. And so, yeah, we just ran wild, my brother and I, until uh, until we were eight years old. My parents sent me to school, and the parents were li- the school was a little bit freaked out, like, "Oh, where are we going to start this kid? He's supposed to be in like year three or four or something or other." I remember I started in year one, and I ended that year completing year three. Oh wow! This blitz through it because yeah. you know, you you learn it so quickly when you are um, a little bit older, and it can, I was completely caught up because by then, like a lot of it just seems common sense kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So I did seven years of school and finished uh, year ten. Wow! There you go. And, and, and I look at the, I look at these other kids that did all of these years in school, and I think, man, these kids got ripped off. Yeah, I don't. I don't seriously ripped off. I don't, I'm. Pr- I don't know about the science. I mean, I have a feeling that science actually shows that if you start your kids off with all this early learning psycho babble, it doesn't actually do them any favors when no. they're older. No, it doesn't do them any favors. Let them learn how to play. Yes. Play now. I, I, I'm. I am only in favour of delayed entry into schools if you have a no screen policy for your children. Oh, okay. It's the only way it's yeah. going to work. It's mm-hmm. not going to work if you just sit your kids home on screens. Yeah, that's That's, that's true. a complete and that's utter true. and total waste of time. But that story just popped up and uh, I thought I would comment on it. I think that uh, kids need to learn how to play. They need to learn how to be kids. Um, they need to be out in the bush, in the country. Uh, they need to have some space. Dick Smith was talking about how that um, we are creating um you know, battery hen chicken uh, children these days mm-hmm. because we don't have backyards anymore. Um, and I, I think he's actually right on the money. What's that What's that saying about how a child's character is fully formed by the age of, what is it, seven? Or? Seven or 12. Yeah. I, I can't remember. yeah, I remember thinking to myself, I'd never send my kid to school. Well, do, you want, do you want... Do you want to have an impact on your child's character or do you want somebody else to form exactly. their character? You well, know, that's, I why I, that's why I have no interest in sending any of my future kids to school until after that point in their, in their age yeah. because I don't want them picking up crazy stuff. That and if, you, if you're worried down. about them getting behind and stuff, just do, the, do a bit of teaching at home. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, I remember going to a seminar. I know this is weird. I, I ended up getting stuck at this seminar for parenting because <laughs> I'm not a parent. That's why it's crazy. But I remember being very impressed with the information and the speaker was saying how often when parents take their kids to these early childhood things, they're actually interrupting the kids' natural learning process. Kids figure things out by themselves. If they're like playing with blocks and like, you know, and then you pick them up and, oh, it's time to go to early learning and then they get, you know, barraged with Beethoven and flashcards, you're actually interrupting that, what that kid was learning about the blocks. I, when I, by the time I got to school, I could read fine. Yeah. By the time I was in like year four or five, my teachers were telling me that I had year 10, you know, 12 reading skills. Mm-hmm. No one ever taught me to read. I don't ever remember learning to read. I learned to read sitting on my parents' lap with them reading books and just following along with the words and started to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned to read in the same way that I learned to talk. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but anyway. Uh, <coughs> that rant over. Let's start another rant. Go on, a, go on. In a move of breathtaking hypocrisy. Ooh la la. A Newtown pub banned um, any Australian paraphernalia on Australia Day. Okay, 
What right? do you mean? Well, they want to support the uh, Indigenous Australians. and, oh. and, and, and but, but no, 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 this is not where the hypocrisy comes in. Go on then. So here you've got a pub, right, mm-hmm. that is making money on Australian soil that was taken from Aboriginal people yes. selling the primary product that destroyed Indigenous Australians. Yeah, that's Saskatoon. And making money out of selling, you know, alcohol, which has, you know, done more to, to destroy um, Indigenous Australian culture than probably any other product that has been brought to this country. I'm so glad we're talking about this, Lyle, because I have been wondering, because, you know, I, I, was, I saw so many posts on social media about Invasion Day and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, are we going down a track where we can no longer even say Australia Day or celebrate Australia or take pride in our flag. If this, if this pub is blocking people from coming in wearing Australia flag paraphernalia, are we one day not going to be even able to yeah, fly yeah, that's not what I'm our worried own about. flag? That's not what I'm worried about. It's just, that's not my issue. My issue that's is the hypocrisy of it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, you know, we brought alcohol to Australia. It destroyed Aboriginal culture. So we will sell alcohol and ban Australia Day at the same time. That's crazy. It's like that makes no sense at that's all. That's crazy. And by the way, for the record... I am a big fan of May 8. May 8? Why? That should be our national day. What? Why? May 8. That's obvious, Mon. Is it? Mate Day. Oh my goodness. Seriously. No one no. can be off- no one can be offended by May 8. Turn off the radio, I'm going home. Nope. I, I'm standing by. I'm standing by. I'd actually I'd actually I'd actually seriously vote for it. I do you know what? Because, Me too. Because I'll tell you why. It it, it has a, it has a it has Australian it, it is quintessential um Australian humour. You know, yes, and, and and at the same time, it's all about mateship, friendliness, friendship that includes everyone Everybody. who is living yep. on this continent, even if they aren't Australians. And no one can beef with that. No one can beef with it. In fact, it. you know what, Lyle? I think it just takes someone to start it. Let's do it. May 8. Put it on the calendar. Put it yeah. on the work calendar right now, Absolutely. Producer Shell. We are yes. celebrating May 8. Definitely. We'll just get everyone to celebrate it with us right. before you know it. I'll put it on my Snowball. calendar. When, when May 8 comes, we're going to uh, fly Australian flags all over the place just in celebration of Mate Day. Love it. And we'll all be mates. Love it. I'm, I'm literally reaching for my phone right now to set a reminder. All right. What story we'll talk about next? Okay. This one's coming out of uh, the electorate of Hinkler in Queensland, which includes uh, Bundaberg and Harvey Bay, places like that, who have just introduced the cashless welfare uh, system that they have in Western Australia, where 80% of cash uh, of, of welfare payments are placed on a, a card that cannot be used for alcohol, gambling, or cash. Oh, that's a good so card 80%, to have. So 80% of the money can only be used for that. Um, and this is particularly for people who are 35 and under. Um, and the response has been from that particular age bracket that it will be slightly annoying. <laughs> slightly annoying. Slightly annoying. I think... Now, I think they haven't gone quite far enough because yeah. 20% of your income is a fair chunk Huge. to spend on alcohol, gambling and drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they've done the research and found that they are spending a far higher percentage than that. But I'm thinking about those who spend a lesser percentage on it. You know, there's always going to be that temptation, oh, this is my splurge money. So they've created 20% of their income as splurge money, whereas people who are in a low socioeconomic environment really shouldn't be spending more than 5 or 10% on splurge money. And uh, I, I think it might generate a little bit of the wrong kind of mindset here. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's very practical. It's a great idea. 
Um, it's gone incredibly well in Western Australia, oh, uh, where the experiment has been taking place, and uh, we need to see more of it um, uh, happening. Uh, you know, around around our country. I'm not going to lie; I kind of wish every single credit card had that function. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, you, you know, people like the Salvation Army have been participating in these kind of programs for a while. Of course, it's opposed by Labor. Bill Shorten says that he will abolish I it.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And joining me on the phone today, all the way from Malaysia, is a very old friend of mine from many, many years ago, David Farm. David, welcome to the show. Ha <laughs> Thank you. Now, David, Good morning to everyone. Yeah, yeah. We, we reconnected uh, recently at a camp meeting down in Victoria, which was uh, yes. just, it was fantastic. It was amazing down there. <laughs> Um, it was nice. But David, I wanted you to share, I wanted you to share with our listeners, you know, some of your story. You've had a most, uh, remarkable story. God has worked in your life, done amazing things. Mm-hmm. And, um, sure. and, and you're now running the Anon, uh, Health Institute there in, yes. um, or Health Retreat, I Malaysia. should say, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Just, just very quickly, whereabouts in Malaysia is that? We are about one and a half hours from the uh, the capital's airport, international airport, and about one hour forty five minutes from the capital. I was just South. looking. I was just looking at. Uh, I typed in Anon Malaysia, and it brought up your health institute straight away into Google Maps, and was looking yeah. at some uh, some photos, some video footage, some aerial shots, and uh, it looks like just the most beautiful place on the planet that you have right there, up on a mountain. Oh, thank side. God! Thank God! Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, all of those, all of those big boulders and stuff everywhere. Just uh, yeah, yes. amazing. Praise God. Yes, but your story, yes. let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning of your story. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, David, as, as a young person, how did you, how did you come to give your life to God? Well, my life was, uh, I found God when I was in the lowest time of my life because I come from a big family, uh, eight brothers and two sisters and the 11 of the youngest. And, uh, and my parents had many grandchildren, great grandchildren. And I grew up with my, nephews because my brothers they are much older than me and their children are older than me you know mm. so i grew up together with my nephews and in this big family i lack of love i do not have counsel what to do in life and i end up with a lot of bad decisions in my life and it was at my thir- age of 13 my brothers the first one that called me to the church and i was so thankful at the age of 13 and i from there, I get to know Jesus, and and I found that Jesus can direct my life. So at a very early age, um, I would say at 16 age, 16 years old, I gave my life to God, and I want Him to to direct my life. Mm. So I think I end up today is all because I surrender my life to God. Yeah, praise God. That's 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 just amazing. Amen. And uh, you know, just looking at what you've got there in Malaysia right now, I mean it's just uh it's 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 sensational what God has been able to do through you. So praise God for that. Now David yeah, I never um, dreamed about that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um and uh yeah, I really want to talk about that, but you know, when we first met you your your area of primary interest and in, which still is the case was uh Health ministry, health uh, evangelism, yes. Um, yes. working with health health retreats and so forth. You were studying at the time for that. I was studying for ministry um, back at the Heartland College days in uh, in Virginia in the United States. What was it that got you that that, that started you having an interest in health work? Well, it all started in 1989 when one of the Heartland graduates from. Uh, Malaysia came back came back from the US 
and when he arrived back to Malaysia, he told me he wanted to start a medical missionary work. So I, in 1989, I have no idea. At that time, I was about 19 years old. I was asking him what it's all about. So he said, can you join me and help me? So I said, yeah, since I have finished my O-level, my, my, my secondary school, I said, yeah, for sure. So both of us started and we, we just rented a house and uh, very simple. And he wanted to bring in some guests to come and live with him. So I was the first guest with him learning together and I brought my mom and that time my mom was 65 years old and she had already suffered with lifestyle diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetic, heart disease, migraine, headache, arthritis, overweight and all kinds of sickness mm. and I remember he always, she has always had to take so much medication so I, I remember I asked my mother, I said Ma, how long do you need to take this medication and she told me she, she had to take this until she died. And I was taken it by a great shock. I say, I said, how come a medication had to take until so long, until you die? I thought, you know, in, in my young age, medication is only for a short while. And, and when you get well, you, you are well, you, you don't have to depend on medication. So when my friend, he said he wanted to start a medical missionary work, a health retreat, home health center, and I said, I, I will bring my mom. So I brought my mom. And uh, so two of us was with, with him for one month. And after one month, I was so surprised just by eating simple, exercise every day, sleep early and pray every day. And a very simple life. Within 30 days, she lost 15 kilo, and her blood pressure was back to normal. Her diabetic is almost normal. Her migraine headache was gone. And her heart disease was well. Her arthritis was gone. And everything seemed to be transformed. And I was so shocked. And I said, how come? The doctor never told us that we there's a second way out, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was really happy and I saw her getting well. And that time, my friend's mother was there. She was also well. So with that, I decided I prayed about it and God impressed me. He said, David, I want you to do this work to bless others. So that was the reason because of my mother's transformation. And I saw so many people that year. I was with my friend for one year. Everywhere, everyone that come and stay with us a month, they all got well and they improved greatly from their poor health. So with that, I caught a vision. I said, I must walk into this lifestyle medicine. So I was thankful that an uh, opportunity was given to me to go to Heartland to study. And that's where I end up doing health all my life now. And, of course, that's where we bumped into each other. Um, and, yeah, the, 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 uh, the story continues from there. David, you've got so many stories to tell, but I do remember that while we were fellow students together, you went on a number of mission trips, and I'm just sort of yes. thinking, I think there was some to the Philippines and, and uh, China, places like that. Could you share, you know, maybe one or two experiences from that and how that impacted your life um, to continue with what you're doing today? Yes. You know, when I was studying in Heartland, um, I studied not only health, I studied the Bible. And the Bible told us that Jesus was the greatest medical missionary. Wherever he goes, he heals. And so many people came to him because he was a healer. He was not only a preacher. 
and he ministered to many people and all manner of diseases, he healed them all. So I told God, I said, Lord, I must learn from you. You are the greatest physicians, right? And wherever he go, he healed people. So I pray and the Lord opened a way for me to go to Philippines. So in 1992, I went to Philippines with one of my friends. And I go to this small village called Agusan, a fishing village. And when I was there, and one of the church members said, and there was a sick woman in the, in, at home that had not attended church for more than one year, and she had suffered with cancer and dying. So I said, okay. So as I was going to visit this lady, and uh, the person that brought me there, her name is Mrs. Barbarino. And she said, David, she's going to die soon. Just go and pray with her. I said, okay. But in my heart, I was thinking, if I just pray for her, I mean, anyone can do that, right? Mm. If a person is hungry, if a person is hungry, you just pray for him. I mean, you, without giving him food, your prayer is nothing. So I told God, when I visit this lady, you must tell me what to do for her. So I, I saw her. Her name is Annabelle. She was only 34 years old. And I, I told her, I said, why you don't go to the hospital? She, she was suffering with breast cancer. And uh, the doctor said to her that she was going to die. So she just waited to die. And you have to understand, the Filipinos in that fishing village, they are all very poor. So they had no money to go to look for help. So I prayed with her. And I was talking to her. The Lord impressed upon me that whatever Jesus healed when he was in this earth, you know, when people came to Jesus, Jesus always asked them, do you believe? Belief is very important in the healings for somebody. So when a person, a sick person told God, told Jesus that he believed, and Jesus said, your faith will make you whole. And with that, based by their faith, they will make whole. And when they're making, when, when they were healed, Jesus told them, now go and sin no more. You see? They have to change of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They have to make a new life. Yeah. If not, Jesus say, if you don't change, a worse will happen to you. A more evil will come to you. Mm. So this is a principle that Jesus taught me. So I told Annabelle, I say, Annabelle, do you believe in Jesus? And out of great faith, she said, yes. I said, okay, by your faith, you shall be made whole. And say, Annabelle, we need to change all our lifestyle. Anything that is contribute. I mean, to the cancer, we have to stop it. Like meat eating, you know, we have to stop meat eating, egg, milk, come to plant-based diet, a vegan diet. So, I mean, those days, 20, 30 years ago, when you tell people to stop <laughs> eating meat when you have cancer, people think you're crazy, right? Sure only, did. Today, sure did. <laughs> only today, when people, I mean, it's a fashion today for people to, to be vegetarian. But those days, it is hard to hurt. I mean, nobody will believe you. But she believed. And she gave out all the meat diets, but go into plant-based diet. And but before she went into diet, I mean, in this plant-based diet, we well, I, I asked her to go for a fasting diet. So she only had to drink water and juice. And we do a very simple juice fasting. That's what I did for my mother when I was I mean, two years ago before I went to college. And I bring her for exercise. And we do some simple remedies like, uh, steam bath, you know, a uh, uh, fever bath, uh, charcoal poultice, anything that I, we can find from the village. And through prayer, through faith, through change of lifestyle. Amazing thing. Within two, three days, all her pain went away. 
And then within two weeks, she's almost, I mean, almost renewed. I mean, two years later when I met her, she was back to work. She was a teacher. She was back to work. She was back to normal. Everything was just amazing to me, you know. Mm. So because of that, she was transformed after one week. And many, many sick people came to us. And everyone, they trusted the Lord. Everyone, they willing to change their lifestyle and give their heart to God. Great thing happened to them. It was not in me. I was just leading them to come to Jesus. And Jesus was a great healer to heal them when they had faith in Jesus. And by changing their lifestyle, by giving their heart to God, many of them were healed from a lot of sicknesses. And that was my great experience when I was in 1992 in Philippines. You know? yeah. And from there, the Lord brought me to China, brought me to many, many other countries, where especially like China, places where religious religions was a great great oppression you know and mm. you cannot openly share gospel I, and I remember missionary work was the best way you know yeah. you cannot you don't need to tell jesus directly you can tell them how jesus healed and we use jesus way to heal people and this way we can share gospel in a very uh, safe way yeah mm, mm. yeah i remember uh, back in the day when uh, in the dormitory and there was only one phone in the dormitory and it was in my room and sometimes they get a call in the middle of the night with people speaking chinese and and uh, yeah go and go and drag david out of bed to uh, come and answer the phone it's like well this phone call is not for me <laughs> yeah fantastic good yes, times yes, good times yes, yes. Yeah, good memories. And yes. uh, this must have had a powerful impact on, on, on your life to see people's lives being changed, uh, people's lives, you know, people being healed, uh, particularly from, you know, from terminal cancer. That is a very, very powerful testimony um, that you're sharing yes, right yes. there of, of how God worked in this situation. And of course, from there, you went on to, uh, to work in China full time for a period. Um, before going back to Malaysia yes. and starting Anon uh, Health Retreat, yes. um, very quickly, tell us about yes. tell us about that year in China um, after you finished um, your studies, um, and uh, how did you end up there? Why did you end up there? And um, yeah, tell us about that 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 period of time. Yeah, when I finished my college, I I I was deciding where to go and. God told me directly that, you know, he impressed upon me that he wanted me to go to China. And in those days, 1995, China is, is a remote place, especially the health center. They're all built in this old time, you know. So to make the long story short, I struggled for a long time, but I decided I must follow Jesus wherever he asked me to go, even though it's not pleasant, but I know his way is the best way. So I went to China. Uh, I was working together with two doctors from America. They, they are Dr. and Mrs. Weeby. They're all subspecialists. And they went to China to do missionary work to help the people in China to know about health. So we have a technology exchange with China. And we went to China to share health. At the same time, we will share gospel uh, in a very careful way. And when I was there, I was able to meet many people from the church to come and join our program. And when they join our program, we taught them how to live a proper lifestyle. You know, many of them, they're fought just by prayer. Many people think that you just pray by faith and nothing, you know, just by faith. Of course, if you don't know anything else, God will still bless. But God today has given us so much knowledge. And God expects us to obey the law of health. Mm. So I share with the people and they all learn and they start to realize faith 
without work is blindness, is dead. So with all the information they received, they were, they were so happy. And they told us, man, now we can go back to share with thousands of members how to change our lifestyle. And we do, we must keep the law of health. And we were able to keep the law of health. The rest of the blessing will come. So many of them experienced the healing power of God through nature, through obeying the laws of hell, by eating right, by sleeping right, by, by surrendering their heart to God, to exercise, to drink their waters, to rest well. You know, all the simple remedies, simple nature of health. And after one year, I was sharing, I was experiencing China. It was great, you know. And, it's, and I told God, it's not too bad. I was deciding to stay in China for life. But it was when I decided to stay China for life and God sent a pastor to talk to me. And he just simply asked me a question. And he said, David, how many health centers you have in Malaysia? And I say, I say, in Malaysia, we don't even have one center. And he was taken by surprise. He said, why? There's great freedom in Malaysia. It's not like in China. But how come there's no health center in Malaysia? And I said, I don't know. So he said, you better go back to Malaysia and do something for your own people. <laughs> oh, I say, maybe God has sent you to talk to me, you know. <laughs> so, so I went back to pray and God told me, yeah, it's time to go home. And I said, but Lord, I told God, I said, Lord, you yourself say a prophet is not welcome in his own life. Okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. So, so you didn't want to go to China when God sent you to China, and now, and now when God sends you home, you don't want to go home. <laughs> exactly, you know, this is all hum- human weakness. <laughs> <laughs> because I know when I go back to Malaysia, they will not as welcome me as China. Because China, I'm a foreigner. They mm. welcome me. Whatever I say, they will listen. When I go back to Malaysia, they will say, this is Joseph's son, you know, and mm. we all know him when they grow up. So... It's a great challenge to start in your own hometown, you know. So I pray about it and I told God, well, God, if you want me to go back, you at least have to open three ways for me. First, you must give me people willing to work together. You know, this work is not by yourself. You need a dedicated team to work together. Second, I say you must give me the money to build the center. I have no money. I'm a poor missionary. And third, I say, Lord, every successful, successful man needs a good wife. <laughs> I say you mm-hmm. must give me a Amen. wife. Yep. They were supportive. They will they will help me, and you were you know especially a missionary. We have no earthly goods, so I asked for a wife. They will not ask any earthly thing from me. I will support me and and walk with me. You know, mm-hmm. so I pray for these three things. Well, to make the long story short, after one year in China, I came back to Malaysia to test the ground, and to my great surprise, God gave me a team of workers, a doctor and his wife to join me. His wife was a doctor's wife, was a, was a nurse. And I found another nurse, which today became my wife. So I got two nurses and one doctor and myself. And a wife. One week, God gave me the people. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, fantastic, David. We're going to have to leave it here because yes. we are out of time. But what we're going to do is we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to talk again. And we're going to hear the rest of this story because there are there is some sensational miracles that uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about with. But sure. thank you so much for joining us today, David. And okay. uh, stay tuned, guys. We'll be back with part two again tomorrow. Take this world, but give me Jesus.
Haimon. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.